0: Hi, this is Pamela Adlon, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Should we go? Anytime? Okay. Two, three. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. We're here on Faro 10. songs, which we will randomly select here with the help of our friend. Synchronicity. Now it's time to give us a shake. We're Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake, but not too hard. Give us a shake. We're Feisty Heart on the Radio 8.
1: Radio 8 Ball, the pop oracle, where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting these randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. My name is Andras Jones, and I'm the host of Radio 8 Ball. I like to think of this format as calisthenics for the part of our mind that recognizes synchronicity. Synchronicity, after all, is not a sporadic phenomenon. It's a constant, and sometimes we notice it. When we do, our lives get richer and more fun. And when we use music as an interface, well, that's just plain groovy. The Oracle fodder for today's show is being provided by a music legend, the great Jimmy Webb, who's going to be in town this week for a couple of shows at Jazz Alley. Jimmy Webb is the author of classics like MacArthur Park, Up, Up, and Away, Wichita Lineman, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, The Highwayman, and many others. Today, he's going to be sharing his insight into the background of his songs as part of our musical divinations. And we've got a great group of guests lined up to ask the questions. Throughout this broadcast, I invite you to invest the questions asked with your own intentions. And the best way to do that is to start thinking of your question now. We'll be right back with Jimmy Webb.
0: This hour of the Radio 8 Ball Show on Alternative Talk 1150 AM was brought to you by the Olympia Cloud Council. Providing overcast skies to the state capitol since 1970. This is Ralph Metzner, and you're listening to the Radio 8 Ball Show with Andras Jones.
1: Well, here we are back at our old favorite Alternative Talk 1150 AM studios in lovely Bellevue, Washington. As I said in the opening, we are blessed to have the great Jimmy Webb joining us for this episode of Radio 8 Ball. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Jimmy.
2: Thank you. Thanks very much.
1: Now, you're going to be in town this Tuesday and Wednesday, the 10th and 11th of February, to perform at Jazz Alley. When was the last time you Right-o. played in Seattle?
2: Um, I played a concert there a couple of years ago, but uh, honestly, I, 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 I don't remember where where it was.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Jimmy, is it okay if I call you Jimmy?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Great. Well. Uh, I'm a songwriter myself, and I've long been aware of you, but as much as I think of myself as kind of a music nerd, I really have not been nearly <clears throat> nerdy enough about you. In preparation for the show, I read well, your Well,
2: thank you. That's very kind of
1: you. I, I read your book, uh, Toon Smith, and I immersed Thanks. myself in as much music of yours as I could get a hold of. And honestly, the staggering number of things I didn't know about you is just humbling. I mean, I was actually part of a project that covered the highwaymen, and I didn't even know you wrote that, which by the oh. way is a great song.
2: Well, I like I like surprising people, so <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> that's that's one of the I, I guess the uh, the hidden blessings of coming to one of my shows is is that uh, I do have a few surprises in there.
1: Oh yes, I I, uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. So here, <laughs> here's the thing: I wish this was an interview show because I feel like I have at least like. 20 questions for you, and maybe even uh, one or two Bones to pick. And I don't mean Fifth Dimensions producer Bones Howe, if you know what I'm saying. And, of course, most people out there yeah. don't. Uh, but maybe we can enjoy <laughs> ex- explain that joke later. What I'd like to know right now is, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with synchronicity, particularly as a songwriter?
2: Well, you mean synchronicity a la Buckminster Fuller, or do you want to be... Oh, yeah. Um, you sure. want to uh, broaden that that definition, or I? I
1: well, what, is, what does synchronicity mean for you?
2: Um, well, it's um, to me, it's uh, it's 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 almost like a channeling of uh, elements that um, that come together. Um, almost of their own volition, I would say. And, uh, it doesn't happen very often. But when it does happen, it's, it's, it's a feeling of, it's almost, it's a, it's a feeling of a song almost writing itself. It takes on a life of its own and, well, I mean, not to be too anthropomorphic, but it knows where it's going. And, um, that's one of the great. That's one of the great uh, rushes of being of being a songwriter is when, you sort of catch a wave and and everything falls into place. I guess that's the best way I could describe it.
1: And is there is there any particular song of yours that you had had any particular like pow- powerful synchronicity experience with?
2: Well, I remember one time I was um, uh, I was working on a, so- a song called um, "If These Old Walls," and uh, I was I was writing about an old farmhouse, kind of a planter's house where my uh, where I live with my my first wife and our and our kids, and, and there was some there was some uh, well. There, there was some problems in that relationship, but um, the song it was kind of an uh, um, about the house and about the kids, um, um, the the kids, you know, and all the dreams we followed after is one of the lines, and and. Um, I I I thought I was writing a song about a house. I really did, uh, uh, and I found out by the by the end of the house that the walls that um, that the walls were really my walls and the walls that I had erected against communi- against communication and communion. You know with this particular person and and uh so it was it was revelatory in the sense that all of a sudden i realized that it wasn't it it was it was that it wasn't about the house it was about me so you know this so the song is is blessed because it will will really come across on two levels at the same time Depending on how how you're tuned into it, and and uh, I I I think that I have I you know I have maybe fifteen or twenty songs like that that I've written where all of a sudden lock you know it's like it's it's uh, it's coming it's coming at you and and at least two levels and maybe sometimes three you know um, that's a that's a synchronicity moment when you know all of a sudden you you somehow or another the ball is rolling uphill and I, I really don't know where that power comes from or where that uh, because I, I certainly don't plan those those moments, but they they they, they happen anyway.
1: Well, exploring those, kind of moments is really what this show is about. Since we, have, we listen to the songs in the context of people's questions, what I find really interesting is how even people who aren't involved in the writing process can, just by paying attention to a song from their own point of view, can completely shift the meaning of a song. And we'll, we'll, we'll play with this right now.
2: Okay, oh, we, sounds uh, really fun and interesting, too.
1: We've got some uh, some of our Radio 8 Ball favorites, uh, people who have been guests on the show, lined up to ask questions. We have Lisa Genio from Candy Pants, an L.A. band, Chris Sand, otherwise known as Sandman, the and Cowboy, and Julie Christensen. <laughs> and I'm going to start things off now by asking my own question. And uh, my question is inspired by today's Pop Oracle Song of the Day at Radio8Ball.com, where you can enter a question and... Uh, have a r- randomly chosen song from our 78-song musical tarot deck, and every day I allow the Pop Oracle to pick one as the song of the particular day. So today's was the Nine of Disks, or Gain, and Mary Lou Lord's song, The Throng of Blowtown, which I found really interesting because it's a song that's full of nostalgia for your era, Jimmy, that time oh, good. sort of when the brill-building classic songwriting structure broke down into sort of the singer-songwriter and then the sort of Motown-inspired factory thing of, like, the wrecking crew in L.A. And so, anyway... uh, That
2: would be it. I was right right in the middle of that.
1: So, in the song, Mary Lou Lord references Carol Kay, the great session bass player... Oh, yeah.
2: Who... A great friend of mine, and, and, and she was... And invaluable to us,
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, she held kind of a mythic place in my mind, and so yeah. I had this question, and you probably know the answer to it, but I want to let the pop oracle answer it, and then maybe you can fill us in. So uh, uh-huh. oh, I'm just Bob, aware right. of her as from her, you know playing on all these records, Beach Boys records, Motown records, uh, you know, on just all across the board. But I haven't seen her on anything in years. So my question is, whatever happened to Carol Kay? And what I'd like for you to do is pick a number between 1 and 8, and we'll let one of your songs from our Pop Oracle deck today answer that question, and then we can talk about it afterwards. So pick us a number between 1 and 8.
2: Wow. Um, I, I can't wait to see how this is really going to work. Um, uh, so I'm, now I, I just need to give you a number, right? Yep. Okay, how about
1: 3 then? Okay, song number 3, the answer to my question, Whatever Happened to Carol Kay? Thank you.
0: Oh yeah, now listen to it singing. No, 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 don't sing this song. No, don't sing this song. No, 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 don't sing this song. It belongs to be a song. Oh, from now on, my old friend Trigger. Tied his cloven body, staring glassy-eyed out through the parlor door. Put it on the news today It set my ears
1: That was Jimmy Webb with P.F. Sloan. And very
2: young Jimmy Webb with very high voice.
1: <laughs> that was the answer to my question. Whatever happened to Carol Kay, the great session bass player who uh, anyone who knows about the great music that came out of California in the late 60s and early 70s knows who she is. But probably she's as, as obscure as the subject of your song. P. F. Sloan, or even to some people, yourself—the uh, the people who well, are behind the songs, uh, who are the minds and the hearts and the souls behind the songs that that we know the faces of.
2: Um, <clears throat> do you want me to to fill in there?
1: Well, what I'm curious about, first of all, I mean, uh, you probably uh, have Carol Kaye on your speed dial, but and you can tell us where whatever happened to her. I'm sure. But uh, well, yeah, I can. <laughs> can you tell us first of all, like? <laughs> Maybe the background of that song you're writing it, and then potential yeah, ways that it off connects. Yeah, that's
2: my my first album, my my first solo album, and I have to tell you the truth. Basically, I was pretty I was pretty uh, not, uh, surprised at how good it sounded. Uh, you know, a lot of the I mean, we had we didn't have like a tenth of the punch or volume. Uh, of a, uh, of, of a Sergeant Pepper on that track. It's, it's very thin, it's very high, uh, but there's a couple of things about that that are, are kind of interesting. And one of them is that I'm playing my mother's um, accordion on the intro. And, and right after uh, I made that record, someone got, in, got into my musical instruments and, and took some things and one of the things they took was my mother's accordion. So it's it's the only thing I have left of my mother's accordion is that is that intro and then that little bit going out on the end. Um, the other thing is that that song's about uh, P. F. Flip uh, Sloan, uh, who actually is going into the Songwriters Hall of Fame this year. Um, which I'm really really happy about.
1: So that you're a member it's of the Hall of Fame and also it's, it's, the. It's like president. the
2: song can rest now, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I think that I, I have one more corollary that I that uh, that I could draw to Carol King, uh, excuse me, Carol Kay, um, and that is that this was the first album that I that I didn't use, uh, that wasn't using the uh, the the wrecking crew, if you want to call them that, they hated that name by the way, but um, uh, Hal Blaine, Larry Nechtel, God bless him, he's gone. Uh, Tommy Tedesco, and um, uh, different guys were part of that. It was never one group. It Al Casey, guitar player, Mike Dacey, a guitar player who worked in that uh, uh, group. Bud Shank, who was a jazz flute player at, uh, played played thousands of gigs at Shelley's manhole in l a he was he played he played the flute solo on um, California dreaming okay huh. he was he was He was an adjunct to that that kind of clique of guys Even Glenn Campbell was one of those guys off and on in and out. Uh and Carol actually wrote the intro. She 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 uh I don't know whether I would say wrote, but she definitely came up with the intro to Wichita Lyman. <this> <s separately> um she was always good for that, and back in the day, we needed intros. You know, we needed something right at the beginning of the record to button up the listener right right from the get-go. And then also, you know, there would be breaks, breakdowns in the middle of the song where the bass would have a solo. Uh, and then the bass played an important part in fades because that's where you'll usually hear a bass player stretching out. And, and showing, you know, uh, some of the chops that they really have. Because in most of pop music, there wasn't really a lot for bass players to do, that, to do honestly. So, I, I you know, I, I hear from Carol. In fact, oh. she sent me a message just the other day through another musician and said, tell Jimmy Webb I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I told this person, you know, I said, D- well, tell her I love her right back. You know, we couldn't have. We couldn't have made any of those records without her, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, as I'm, as I'm thinking, it's almost sometimes with this, with uh, this format, there isn't a lot to say about how a song connects to the person uh, or to the question. When I'm asking about whatever happened to Carol Kay, when I hear this song with you singing about P.F. Sloan and a songwriter who, or a musician and a songwriter who, sort of blaze their own particular Fades path. Away. And, yeah. uh, you know, you can't sing this because this, this song belongs to P.F. Sloan. And for those of us who, and like I say, for those of you who really know what her contribution was to so many hits that are woven into the fabric of our collective consciousness, it's it's uh, it's immeasurable. But it's an insider kind of treasure. And I think that's kind of the charm of that song is a songwriter and i love the 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 feel i know you said that it's it's thin but when i listen to that record it's such a a fantastic and i'm really i'm discovering that record this week this last two weeks since i knew you were going to be on the show and well thanks thank I, you it holds up it is a that first record is a really really great classic singer songwriter era record that should you know people who are fans of that era and might be more familiar with Paul Simon, or James Taylor, or Carol King, or Jim Croce, or other Don McLean, or other people who came out of that era. Um, I think this. Actually, I, I think yours is a lot closer. It feels a lot more like a Nilsen record, actually, in in that way. And it's well,
2: a, he was a he was a big influence. I don't know whether you know that, but he, he and I were. Well, you know, he used to say John Lennon was his best friend, but um, I was I I was with Harry um before John Lennon and 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 I actually knew him for years and years after John Lennon
1: I kind of get I kind of get that
2: He actually sang on some of those early records with me um but I mean I, I don't want to you know digress and go off in a completely different direction but well, I, I I didn't know if you were aware that there was a real closeness there
1: I saw you uh, in the in the Harry Nilsson documentary. I,
2: I, I, gave, I gave the I gave the elegy at uh, at Harry's funeral, and uh, you know it, it it was it was a real close relationship. Uh- I I'm happy to hear you say to say that because one of the biggest influences uh, on my life was Harry's album uh, Nilsson Schmilsson, which. You know, came a couple of years later, but I still think that's that's like that was like Harry's Abbey Road. It was just just almost a perfect record. But
1: I was just reading the anecdote in your book about uh, the Nilson. Uh, maybe it's the Son of Schmilson sessions that you walked into, where uh, where Van Dyke Parks was trying to teach the band the music by singing it to him. He me. was humming
2: the parts. Uh, that was that was the RC that was Studio A over at RCA Victor, and that's that's where Harry really had Coke parties. And that that particular night, it was uh, Brian. There was Brian Wilson, Danny Hutton, Mickey Dolans, Van Dyke, and Trevor. This guy, this guy who played the steel drums—he was Trevor, somebody. But he, for Harry, really got into steel drums. All these guys were there, and and uh, it was like crazy. And I remember the very next morning, and the very next morning—that'll <laughs> give you a clue right there. This, it's about four or five in the morning. Harry and I walked out of the the studio, and we walked out to Sunset Boulevard to see if we could get a cab. And we sat down on the curb, and we were like a couple of sad looking sacks of you know what. And Linda Ronstadt pulled up to the light in her car. And rolled down the window and leaned over and said, you guys look like shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Yeah, she gave us a ride.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave
0: Ball Show.
2: It's a good show.